welcome to the first episode of my podcast. I am your host, Chanel, and it is an honor to have you guys with us today on the podcast, Women in Power. I'm excited to have you, Q. I'm excited to be here. So, Women in Power, real quick, is a podcast for exactly what it says. It's for women in power. And to me, a woman in power is one who's about her business, one who is not only talking, but she is doing a lot of the walking, honey, because being in power, it takes, it takes walking. Don't it you? does. I'm tired, girl. Listen, listen, 100% understand. But Women in Power podcast, we're going to bring women just like you to speak to the audience and really, really do some digging, not only about what they're passionate about but also what are their what what are they doing outside of being a powerful woman right so i'd like to welcome and thank you q a thousand times for coming on this and kicking off this podcast with me so please introduce yourself yes so i'm q a fashion q well chanel calls me q yeah but my name is quaisha <laughs> or Corey. Um, my luxury brand is Corey burns a luxury deconstructed brand we focus on sustainability and community. So that's where we are. Screenshot. She's way more than that. Q. My husband. my Q. <laughs> she, you are, you are a designer. You are a creative. You are high vibrational. You are a visionary, which I feel like a lot of black women are and they don't mm. know that. And most importantly, you are a go-getter. Look, I have goosebumps. I see you. Because I'm not lying. It's so true. You're a go-getter. You are too. Look where we are. Bring it in. Listen, listen, listen. So, as Q has said, she is a luxury fashion brand designer. She is self-made, right? Mm -hmm. 100%. Self-made, but I like to add that I do have a team, like a team of people that help me, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like that's always important because no one is solo mm -hmm. in achieving their dreams or getting to where they want to be. Mm -hmm. There's always someone helping you with something, whether it be hair and makeup mm -hmm. or, you know, model coordination. There's always someone behind the scenes, but the designs are just me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You heard that <laughs> okay. okay. So, I want to know... What, like, what got you here? What inspired you to become a fashion designer? I mean, everybody says it in high school, like, I'm going to design clothes, but what, what was for you? You know what's funny? I didn't say that in high school, but my teacher was kind of pushing me in that direction, but she never said fashion design. So I did um, 3D sculpture, wire, and all of that, like making pots. I actually made my father a vase that was my hand. It was like my hand That's ripped so off. Cool. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> my hand ripped off and like peeled back and it was red in the inside. And then I like put flowers in it and then handed it to him. And it was literally like this, girl. Oh like my a vase. God. And he's just like, okay. It's so beautiful, right? <laughs> yeah. How so, old are you? I was in high school. I oh. think um, senior year or something like that. But um, throughout my art focus in high school and middle school, my teacher would always say, you're making dresses out of wire and clay in mini form. Have you ever thought about using fabric? Mm -hmm. And she would always say it to me, but I would kind of ignore her and keep making my plaster dresses. Right. <laughs> like, girl, I have a vision. 
Yeah. Um, but then I did take fashion design as a minor when I got to college. Mm -hmm. And I switched to a dual major, and it was just history from there. But I did take my minor based off of her inspiration. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and now it's master's degree, right? Yes, master Paris. Go ahead, talk Bye. to him. We're gonna get into that. But I'm curious, what is your inspiration? Because I feel that as a designer or as an artist, there's always inspo inspiration. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So for my inspo, it's definitely the black woman. Mm -hmm. I bring it back to that. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. black community, mm -hmm. because what am I, right? So for me, in everything that I design, I try to include socioeconomics because I feel like that's important for our community to touch base with. Mm -hmm. And I start there on my mind map and developing where I want to go from there mm -hmm. and then my recent collection led to mental health so that stemmed from social economics because that affects your mental health right mm -hmm. so a lot yeah so much the older you get the more you realize exactly how much it will impact mm -hmm. your mental health so would you say that like how did you collaborate I'm curious how did you collaborate mental health awareness into garments because that's really unique. Yeah, so for me, it's always emotion. Like in all my designs, I was just reflecting even before we came here and I'm like, people ask me that question a lot, like how is it related, how is it related? So for me, I do a lot of research mm -hmm. for my collection. So I'm not just making a collection, just grabbing fabric and making something. Mm -hmm. I feel like Like a lot of designers are right now. Yeah. No shade. No shade, purposeless, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think everything has a meaning. I'm good. I'm good. But there's a teacup, right? Which we need right now. But um, I feel like everything should have purpose. Mm -hmm. So for me, mental health is woven into everything mm -hmm. um, based on my research. So I start at research, primary and secondary. So not just going to the books, but actually talking to people in our community. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember, but I did send you the survey, mm -hmm. I and I think you filled it out like two, three years ago, because mm -hmm. collections start so long ago, and a lot of the things that you said and other people said that I sent it to, I wove that into what I'm designing. So wait, let's back it up. The yeah. Survey. What was the survey? So the survey was a mental health survey, mm -hmm. I called it. Um, put it on Instagram, I sent it to people in my community that look like me and even other people, mm -hmm. um, minorities. And it was just a reflection on where they are with their mental health. How do they check in? Mm -hmm. um, do they feel they even recognize mental health as something they should invest in? A lot of those type of questions mm -hmm. um, and paragraph questions where you can actually type an answer and I can right. see short and make response. the connections. Yeah, short response, it was really helpful for me. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of the research to go into the other secondary was me researching mental health for us, not just the last few years, but going back to the beginning. Right. Like when we were testing right. on lobotomies, all right. of that. So all of that was also mixed into what I'm designing. So when I'm designing, I'm sketching from that, that pain, mm -hmm. um, that inspiration mm -hmm. to see something better. Mm -hmm. And it starts like that for me and it just grows from there. With mental health being on the table, mm -hmm. how are you caring for your mental health, especially? You said two years. That's during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. So developing, actually, the, this collection was about um, a different topic, but similar to mental health. It wasn't just mm -hmm. solid mental health. 
But I decided to pivot because it was during the George Floyd. Oh, my um, goodness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was making the decision what direction to go in. And then it was when Black Lives Matter was brought on the world stage because there's always been, um, not always, but, mm-hmm. you know, they've been around for some time now. Mm-hmm. But when they were brought to the world stage and everyone knew what Black, Black Lives Matter was, Matter was. yeah, at that moment, um, I was trying to decipher that in my head. There were protests in Paris for the Black Lives, for George wow. Floyd as well. So it was worldwide and isolated, you know. I was in uh, Paris by myself. I think my friends had went back to the U.S., but I was like, let me stay work on my my art this is the right place mm-hmm. um and it was solitude because you can't go outside i don't know mm-hmm. you were you locked know. down it was you locked down your words i think yeah they were like on the corner standing on the corner so i wanted to go to the grocery store there you would have to have your paper the institution and another document from your school if you want to go to the grocery store and stuff so it was really locked down locked down mm-hmm. no walking around isolation but a time to reflect i feel like i grew oh, definitely so much in that time definitely. with my mental health as well so in what ways would you say you've grown? Because I feel like it was a challenge. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was like, it was a challenge. But like you said, it was a good challenge. Yeah, I feel like it was self-love moment, self-growth mm-hmm. moment. A moment to look at myself as a black woman and like where I am. And, you know, I've always seen in the community, um, in life, like racism and all of that. But this moment, you really, I really had to sit with it. I'm pretty sure a lot of black people that were locked away in their home had to really sit with it. And there's no going to work at this point because most jobs were like, you're remote now. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of extra time to so think about that. So socioeconomics now comes into play. Yeah. Because so, a lot, like you said, a lot of people, they lost their jobs, right? Yeah. They were home for the most part. And really faced with your own, I'd say your own fears, right? Or your own, let's just call it what it is, your own demons. Because that's what it is when you have to literally listen to who's in your head. Mm -hmm. And not just tune it out. Let let me just go get drunk. Let me just go to the nightclub. You can't do that at that time. So that's really, that was a, it was a, it was a deep space. I love that space though. I wish um, we had more Oh, definitely. Time to be with ourselves like that because nowadays when you think about it, when you have work, you have a family, it's like go, go, fresh, go. Fresh, fresh. And you're in New York City. I noticed mm-hmm. the difference between Paris and New York is when they get off at 5 o'clock, we're off at Tell 5 o'clock. Tell us the tea. The Please. tea is. I feel like New Yorkers or the United States is overworked. Like mm-hmm. we work to our past 65 now if you look at people. Scary. They're working till 70. Um, the black community is so underpaid, black mm-hmm. women, mm-hmm. and we're leading. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the statistics are we still are paid like half. Mm-hmm. And I don't go for that in interviews now or mm-hmm. if I'm working for someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Paris, it's more so at five o'clock, we're all off of work and whatever it is, tomorrow we'll deal with it. Unless it's like fashion week, then it's all hands on deck oh, yeah, for 24 hours. But the normal 365 or 360 would be you know you're at home with your family we give you that time but as soon as it's nine o'clock i need you to work from nine to five and that's it or nine to four i think their day is even shorter than ours as well Mm -hmm. their lunch two hour lunch our lunch is literally 30 minutes girl and you have to you don't even get to enjoy no there they go home to their families they have two hours some have one hour but still one to two hours they can travel back to their family sit and eat lunch such a big difference in your mental as well that breather you get 30 minutes is not enough you know 
I've done a little research. Mm. Actually, it, it stems from the factory workers. Oh. Yeah, that's 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 where the school system stems from. It's like, like how you're in a factory, you're in one room all day. Mm -hmm. The the bell rings, you switch, you rotate, right? Yeah. You're in school. The bell rings, you go to another classroom, you go to a different period, and you sit at the same spot. You sit at your desk. You do the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. You go to the same classes. That's where it stems from. That. Um, 30 minutes, one hour, 45 minute class. Is it, it's actually stemmed from the fact. We're teaching the youth that you're an employee sort of, mm. right? But deep down inside, I think that just like you said, we're, we're creative, we're CEOs and we don't know. Not saying everybody's a CEO mm -hmm. because CEOs need a teammate. Some people need to be administrative, some people need to be the CEO. And the school sort of teaches uh, employee mentality in my opinion I agree I think they do teach that employee mentality I feel as though they need to open up to do to show different avenues you know yeah. so it's not just you're going to be a worker oh, yeah. as we're seeing during the pandemic so many entrepreneurs black entrepreneurs uh, women came through talk, talk to it yes. so to teach both sides I think would be fair because like you said we do need um, people that are administrative or that are for finances, yeah. that's a great position and a great job and people Absolutely. will love that. So I think teaching both sides, like adding something entrepreneurial into the system Absolutely. so those creators can live, because I know a lot of people that go to like the art direction, a lot of art people, yes, they are art directors and all that, but that still takes some level of creativity because you're curing within the museum, right? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of entrepreneurial as well. So I feel like a lot of artsy people, mm -hmm. um, they need that avenue as well as other yeah. avenues. Agreed, agreed. No disrespect, everybody. I feel like everybody has a gift. And sometimes your gift is being able to do the accounting. Mm -hmm. Sometimes your gift is being able to be the leader. And a leader needs a support system regardless of what people say. Mm -hmm. So now that we're on education, you were <laughs> saying you studied in Paris. Yes. So how did you end up out there? So I remember graduating. Oh, this story. Yeah. So <laughs> clutch of pearl. <laughs> pearls. Clutch yeah, pearls. Yes. So um, I was in Syracuse, upstate New York. I had just graduated with my undergraduate, and I saw like students going there for their master. I'm like, yeah, I've always wanted to do that, but I didn't think it was possible. But I saw people mm. doing it. But then I, I saw, say that again. Say that again. I didn't think it was possible mm. until I saw people doing it. So it was like in my mind, and I would say it in high school, like. I might go to Paris to do this and do that. So I took French and stuff. French. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My friend, I was taking it back then and it's still trash. But <laughs> the effort is what matters. But um, back then I saw, but the people that I saw doing it, they weren't, they didn't look like me. Mm -hmm. So then there was still that block. And then when I would talk about it, I remember graduating and I'll, girl, I graduated to go right back to the hood because I'm from the hood. Mm -hmm. So I graduated to go right back to the hood, and that was so such a, um, a slap in the face mm -hmm. for me, um, because there are no jobs in upstate New York for um, anything fashion related. There's no luxury fashion. We don't. We have Macy's, honey. Mm -hmm. That's luxury. That's yeah for them. And, and for me at that point, so and I didn't like that at all. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so I saw people going to Paris at this time. 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to do that. So I just started spinning it at people, like, not actually spinning, but, you know, oh, yeah. talking mm-hmm. to it, talking it into existence. And they're like, oh, you keep saying this. It's been two years, but I was saving my coins. Mm-hmm. I started saving, and it was so little, but I was saving to go to New York City. Mm-hmm. Then when I got to New York City, because I've always wanted to go to New York City and live here as well, mm-hmm. started working at Bloomingdale's, and I was still saying it to their face, like, yeah, I'm going to go to Paris oh, in a few years. Cool. And they were just like... But you've been here for three years. I'm like, yeah, but I've been saying... Because this goes back to um, financial situations. Because if I had the money to go mm-hmm. right after graduation, mm-hmm. it would have been different. Even though they've given me a scholarship. Every year, that I was I was winning the scholarship to go there. Scholarship mm-hmm. is only 40%, though. Mm-hmm. And if it's... If you're being paid um, half of what... Because I was a manager... Mm-hmm. at these luxury stores when I got to New York. So ideally, I would have had the money within the first year, I thought. But of course, I was giving less than half the pay mm-hmm. to work there, um, working two to three jobs as sometimes. I was so tired. Because when people say they were two to three jobs, I'm talking full-time jobs, so I go eight hours working at the luxury retailer, so let's say from nine to five. Mm-hmm. And my other job starts at seven, but I don't have a car and I live in New York City. So, so the commute is going straight there and changing when I get there to do whatever overnight job I'm going to do to get off at 6 a.m. and then to go home. So five days out of the week, it was like that. So that was hard for me, but I saved to do it. And it was just so funny because everyone was like, you keep saying this for three years, three years. Like, what is your... I'm like, but every paycheck I'm not spending. Like, I wouldn't... I worked at these luxury stores, and at this time, girl, the tea is that Bloomingdale's <laughs> was going <laughs> off. They were giving, like, 50% off luxury items, like, if you work there. Uh-huh. They were so giving like, an employee discount. Yeah, I have never bought nothing for myself when I worked there. Mm-hmm. I think, like, makeup or something, because mm-hmm. it was, like, $20 or something with a discount. But all, I think I bought my mom at one time for her birthday. Mm-hmm. I bought her like seven mm-hmm. Chanel shoes. Oh, you have to. You got to. You know you but, have to. Yeah, and I didn't buy any for myself. And they were just like, this is not even your size. I'm like, I don't care. I my mean... mom is going to be dripping. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I have a video of that. It's super cute of her at dinner opening that for her birthday. Because um, she's never had Chanel before. Yeah. She's never had um I think she may have had Coach. But mm-hmm. Coach is not luxury. Oh, you know, yeah. But every black mom had a coach. Yeah. I think that was the go to. But I guess DKNY. Yeah, I can't believe I liked coach. Shame. <laughs> shame. You know what? They're revamped. I can't lie to you. It's kinda cute. It's the same print, girl. No, it's no, the same no. design as They revamped revamp with celebrities, honey. <laughs> it's the same thing going on. I'll stop you right there. <laughs> it's kinda cute. It's kinda cute. It's kinda cute. They I did think. not revamp. They came out with this little cute little uh fur. It looks like the little Dior bag. It's it looks cute. like the little what? You know, it's the kind little of Dior cute. bag, right? It's kind of cute. But even from houses, so I know. I don't know. Is there? That's that's a good question. Is there any um, true creativity in fashion right now? Yes, I think mainstream. Mm, I feel like it's a little. Um, I feel like there are so many creative designers that aren't being seen. Mm. And then I feel like, because I know a lot of stylists that are styled, for example, going away from the design. So even pinting at stylists that are better, mm-hmm. 10 times better than the stylists you see dressing people on red carpet. Mm-hmm. For a fact, I'll put money on it. Mm-hmm. I'll put my rent on it, but I'm going to bet that they can outstyle um, whatever so, the celebrity stylist is doing now. On the runway, or that they're assistant stylists at the moment. Oh, they're not yes. there yet, but they've been there for a long time. But they're not 
being brought to that um, stage yet. And I see it, I'm just like, mm, and I have a lot of stylist friends. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, I feel for them in that way because during the Black Lives Matter movement, when they were trying to move black people to higher positions because they deserve it and they've been stationed there for a long time, like a lot of stylists are blocked off because of luxury magazines only picking white stylists, for example, instead of highlighting a black stylist that's styling a black person. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they came out and spoke about that. But then I also saw, yes, you're being lifted up, but are you lifting other stylists that are under you up to? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Because you're now in the room, right. and you, you were barking for that room, which I love because I want you to be in that room. But let's talk about your assistants that have been with you for seven years right in that same position and they have their own little styling thing but you don't you don't so you don't yeah you have to give you have to put your hand back yeah and i feel like you i don't know that they're scared um but this is my thing if you're scared but this person been riding with you for seven years you know what i mean mm -hmm. like every time i get like a little um shine on something that i'm doing with my designs i like sharing my friend's stuff you know mm -hmm. what i mean i feel like that's so easy to share oh it's free stuff. it's free and like you you see it they're on your timeline mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but i feel like they've worked seven years right and mm -hmm. I, i'm just saying devil's advocate i'm not saying this is how i feel that they're kind of scared that they're gonna mess with their image Right? The main Yeah, their image that they now have to uphold being in the spotlight. So, okay, she's giving okay. money. No, no, she's giving money. I'm giving that's tired because that's really tired. That was a good one, though. I do understand that perspective. Um, But, again, like seven years ago, now you're in your circle, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So you know who they are. And if, if you don't want them in your inner circle and they've been there for seven years, mm -hmm. you deserve whatever comes from you sharing that because you allow them to stay in your circle for seven years. As soon as I see someone that's in my current circle that isn't, I wouldn't be proud to call them my friend or something or it's a bad way to say it, let me say. Or, you can't be friends with them in the light. Yeah, I can't be friends with them in the light. Then, yeah. you know. Then why are you friends with them in the dark? That's, that's the full <laughs> That's the whole question, though. Oh, that's so tea. Do you feel like black people in luxury, right? Mm -hmm. Is it, would you say that it's still kind of closed off? Yeah, I would definitely say that. Um, I think, I, you know what? There's this thing that I noticed because I'm so hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know on us. I don't know. I just feel like there's premium and then there's luxury. Mm hmm so give us a, you gotta run. Oh, I can't shot no names because it's clear, <laughs> but um, there are a few designers that are calling, you know, I'm not gonna say their names, mm -hmm. but there are a few handbags, for example, because my handbags are coming out, you know, mm. this holiday season, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, you, where, where can we get those bags? Right, www.coreyburns.com, mm -hmm. but yeah, they're calling themselves luxury. If something is made in China, I must tell you, it is not. It is not. You can push maybe premium, but then that's even pushing it. That should be fast fashion. Category. Oh, definitely. Luxury, I'm thinking, some parts of London, mm -hmm. Burberry, um, maybe Paris, 
but definitely Italy. So when I think of your bag and your quality of luxury, I assume it's made in one of these three and definitely Italy. Mm-hmm. But like a lot of these brands are saying that they're luxury, mm-hmm. but it's not. You have a fast fashion brand, honey, and you're just, Putting you're on. marketing it as luxury. Doesn't it's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. If not, it's not, because a luxury bag, like if you get hmm, a bag made in Italy, that's going to, you pass that down to your children's children. Mm, the quality amen. is so good. Amen. So when you spend $5,000 on that bag or whatever, it's going to last 20 years. Your child will be able to carry this and the brand is a good brand. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But if you're spending, for example, because this is the price point they're doing, $500 on a bag that's made in China and it's $10 to make it. And the person, this mm-hmm. is the thing I don't like. Because you're calling it luxury, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And it's priced at $10 for them to make it. So that means the employee making it is getting sent. Yikes. Right? So that's also not ethical. Um, it's a lot. Not sustainable, but you're calling it luxury. And usually luxury can be seen as a little more sustainable. You know what? That's, that's, that was like that whole Shein thing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Wasn't that crazy mm. though? I have like, I don't want to say it. Right. <laughs> so yeah. I have some friends. There's a collaboration. Um, where designers can do with Shein is called. Uh-huh. I don't even know how to pronounce it. I'm not trying to learn. <laughs> whatever shine, whatever they're called. So they're doing stuff with designers, and I think someone sent me that to do that, and I had the opportunity to do that to be on their website. I'm just like, it just goes against my brand. Yeah. Um, they're fast fashion, so I know I know what that means mm-hmm. for our for our children's world. Mm-hmm. Like, the air is thicker here in New York than it is in Paris. Mm-hmm. It's hard to breathe over here. So, I'm like, imagine what my children's children are going to have to live through. And a lot of that fast fashion stuff, that sheen or shine, whatever they are, mm-hmm. a lot of, the, like, mm-hmm. when you throw those clothes away, they get sent to a landfill here, and then they get shipped to Africa. No way. They get shipped to Africa. I was doing, I did a collection. No way. Yeah. But, but some of those um, freights that are on top fall off into the water, right? And then the clothes are out in the water. And the sand picks it up. And they make these long strips with clothing mm-hmm. in the sand. And they call them tentacles in Africa. They wash on the shore. So the shore, I have to send you a video of this. But it's disgusting. And it's fast fashion brands. You don't find Gucci over there. Nobody is throwing that away. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's hard to repurpose fast fashion because it's falling apart. Like right. literally in your hands. What I love about Africa, like, it doesn't matter what you throw. They're going to make something out of it, you know? So, obviously, the tentacles can't do much with that. But the actual freights that make it, they repurpose that. So, mm-hmm. they, they wash it. They they sell it. They clean it. They try to dye it or make it into something else. Fashion. And then they have, yeah. So, they have people that actually go through all of that. So, it is a business in that way. But um, they, they're they even saying, like, this is too much. Mm-hmm. You're, it's too much, like, to, for them to it. go through. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's too much. We don't have enough people. But here, like, why, why, we don't need it. Let's just start there. They just, the way they depict Africa sometimes just like. It's wild. Yeah. And it's the opposite of our real nature. That's, I don't know. That's all. It's agenda. Everything is agenda, right? Um, that's one thing I never understand. Like, I never understand. What? Why? Why? That always goes through my mind, like, how could you hate? A person for their color that's so weird to me yeah. so foreign to me and I can never wrap my mind around it like deliberately doing things like deliberately cutting your pay in half yeah. um, deliberately sectioning them off with redlining like you live in this neighborhood because when you pay someone less they now have 
the less, less to work with less to work with so now the housing that they're able to afford puts them behind those red lines right mm -hmm. so i feel like it's all still very much red lined mm -hmm. i feel like some people are making it over mm -hmm. those red lines now a little more than the 90s but i remember so clearly growing up and there being a clear red line between um the west side and then like the east side of my um of syracuse like the west side black people um, Puerto Ricans, um, foreigners that were coming in, mm -hmm. and then the east side was pure. <clears throat> a sea of uh... snow. <laughs> we're we're just gonna call it. Okay. Snow is beautiful, right? It is. Snow is beautiful. So I'm curious. Working in luxury, right? Mm -hmm. There has to be some. You're saying there's redlining. Mm. There has to be red lining as well in the fashion industry trying to be a luxury brand an actual authentic, premium, yeah okay. an actual luxury brand so red how lines. are you overcoming mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. red lines glass ceilings everything you can think of brick walls mm -hmm. um a lot of that but you know what when i was in paris i felt like there was more <coughs> hmm I want to say, so I have Parisian homegirls, mm -hmm. and they're in the fashion industry houses, <laughs> right? <laughs> love them. That's pretty dope. Love uh -huh. them. It's a vibe. Different vibe. Love it. But, um, yes, yeah, so they're telling me that there is racism there. I believe racism is everywhere in the world. I yeah. must say that. Unfortunately. But there's levels to this shit. You could curse. There's levels to this shiznick. Uh -huh. So... Yeah, my whole French homegirl was telling me, like, yeah, it's a bit racist here with the price. I'm like, girl, I feel like it's a little better there. Um, I feel like theirs is more, like, hush-hush. But ours is hush-hush, too, to an extent. In terms Until of we had, you know, who was president. Then yeah. it was, like, all free-for-all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I also think there, I, it was more so, like, I was being paid with what my counterparts were being paid. So, mm -hmm. like... The white guy that was working in the field, I was being paid exactly what he was being paid to work for the luxury house. Mm -hmm. That's not happening in New York. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like very you don't talk about you don't talk about your pay necessarily. You don't talk about it. You know, and if they what ask, it's so like hush hush. I don't know here. It's very frustrating because I had to come back to that. Like there, I would like turn to my left and I'd be like, "Hey, dude, what are you getting paid? I'm getting paid this and that." I'm like, "Oh, your salary is the same as mine. Mm -hmm. We're doing the it's same job." It's not awkward. It's not an yeah. awkward conversation. Yeah, it's not. It's just really an open conversation. And then the, I feel like it was easier because I worked for a few fashion houses when I was there, and I was able to get in, get in just very cool, just based off work ethic mm -hmm. and skill, mm -hmm. not based off of necessarily who you know. It's a little bit of who you know. It's everywhere networking, mm -hmm. but here it's like mm -mm. you need somebody to know somebody. Yeah, you need to know someone. You need to be a certain experience experience certain look really yeah i feel like it's a certain look here in luxury even fashion even when you look as as a designer they're looking at your looks i think they're looking at looks yeah well i didn't notice it until i came back like whether it be color whether it be weight whether it be their whole vibe i think that does factor in when someone's interviewing you mm -hmm. here in new york um in paris it's like i saw a sea of different people Oh, yeah. Like, working with me backstage. It wasn't like we all have one type of look, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, I thought that was a shock coming back to run into that here. Mm -hmm. Well, 
I would never have guessed. Like us, I mean, of course, on the mo- on the modeling side, mm-hmm. it's it's opened up thanks to Fenty. We're gonna we're gonna call it what it is. Fenty was the one who kicked the door open yes. on that being inclusive. But I never thought behind the scenes like. And then I also think like being a black woman in luxury fashion or wanting to work in houses, there is always that quietness about. How do I have an attitude? Will I be angry oh, at one point? You know oh, what I mean? Lord. I'm just like, no, I'm a happy person. <laughs> they don't ask these questions, but it's like... As, can I say? I yeah. think they get kind of turned on, for lack of a better term. They get kind of turned on when you are uh, ghetto. Is it? I know. No, I don't like that. Why? Like, I, I don't... Me neither. Like, for you to be educated is cute. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they support when we're kind of ratchet. Mm, especially in the media. Right, right. They they, they kind of support us more when we're kind of ratchet. I gotta call it what it is, yeah. I don't like that either. I mean, it's cool. I mean, we we got duality, right? <laughs> <laughs> but to, but to, I just don't like that, to, to be expected to... Not have a master's degree. Yeah, honey, Not like be traveling internationally. Okay. Mm-hmm. Have Not be traveling internationally and being a CEO of your own brand, right? So, I'm curious with breaking the tape, right? Because you're breaking the tape, whether you can see it out or not, right? Us outsiders can see that you're breaking the tape. Was that a part of the reason why you changed the name for the brand? Or was that totally separate? So I feel like a little bit of both. So I changed the name because Body by Corey is a lot to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I felt Corey Burns was a little bit... Corey is my nickname that my aunt would call me growing up. Mm-hmm. So people in my house still call me Corey. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to switch to just having my name. So. At first, I was doing body by Corey because of sculpture, and I was always fascinated with the uh, the torso, the body, and like that. So I always wow. said body, 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 body. So I wanted to include that. <laughs> Not Meg the Stallion. Okay. <laughs> Shout out to Meg. Mm. But yeah, so I wanted to include body, but then I kind of grew out of that, and I just wanted it to be my name. Um, but then I wanted to use my nickname because I felt like that was cool, and I can play around with it a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and with Corey Burns. Yeah, and then Corey, you don't know if I like the fact that um because I want to design for men too. Mm-hmm. And I'm binary, like all across the board eventually to get there. So I like Corey because you can't really tell if um, it's a woman or a man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Mm-hmm. Um just to go towards my inclusivity where I want my brand to eventually go. Mm-hmm. And I want to find a name that will last a long time. So mm-hmm. how long had you been working on that collection that you just came out with and had a fashion show for? How did you get involved with the show? Like, how did you end up landing that? So, from my experience, I remember filling something out for them. It wasn't in regards to a show. But for me, I'm always, like, applying to things and trying things, trying to outreach, networking. So I remember filling something out. I can't remember <laughs> what it was. <laughs> but I didn't get that. But they sent me an email hitting me back like, hey, although you didn't get this, we wanted to work with you on the show. And then I got offered the show. 
that way. How so awesome is that? How many, how many, um, like how many shows did you have to do with them? It wasn't just one night. It was, oh, so I did, okay, so I know you saw probably more than one show because I did yeah. a few shows this season with this collection. So I showed, oh, talk to them. I showed the New York Fashion Week <laughs> model experience and then I went up to Rhode Island and I showed um, a small show there. Yeah. So I did two shows, but two separate um, vendors, Rhode Island Fashion Week and then Model Experience. That wasn't your first time doing a show, though. No. I've You've been also been in Vogue. Yes. You've okay. also been featured on Kelly Rowland's page. Yes. So, how does that feel? Um, still, I'm still at awe. So everything I feel like I do is with emotion, mm -hmm. um, as well as thought. So I really cannot get over, like, Kelly Rowland, idol of mine, like, was, I like pretended to be her when I was little. You know when you all line up, like I want to be Beyonce, I want to be Kelly, yes. I want to be Michelle. So yeah, so that was um, an amazing experience. Um, in terms of Vogue, that was super fun. That was for my handbags. Yeah. So like right before Kelly, twenty nineteen, before I went to Paris, I feel like at the moment I'm always really really excited, and then the same excitement comes back when someone asks me about it. Like oh my gosh again. Yeah. So, that's a blessing. How did you run into Kelly? So, I actually worked. I'm not going to say the place I worked, but I worked mm -hmm. at a luxury retailer in New York. And she had a performance there. And mm -hmm. she was in, like, my office where I worked. Mm -hmm. So, I met her that way. She's really lovely, really sweet. Mm -hmm. um, she really is a church girl. Yeah. Mm -hmm. she's so You would love her. The Beyonce church girl or, like, the real church girl? What is the Beyonce church girl? Okay, drop that like a thud. Drop oh. that. <laughs> No, I don't know no, about that. I don't know about all that, but she was really sweet. I think you would like definitely fuck with her. Yeah, and then she yeah, took energy. your bag. Yeah, so I actually gave her my bag when she was like crossing with me, and I wrote her like a really letter, like a lovely letter, because mm -hmm. like she is my, you know, yeah. So yeah, I did not expect her to share it, honestly. So that was a shock when I got home. I think I was on the train going back to um, my Jersey, yeah. and I was just on her page, always on her page, and put on her story, and I'm just like, oh Sorry. my god, I literally <laughs> screamed, I was at the station, like, screaming, everybody was just like, oh my god, what's going I on? Know. New York energy, right? Yeah, like, calm down, we're yeah. not, <laughs> yeah. you know, but um, I remember calling my brother and then my um, manager at the time, like, oh my gosh, go look. That's crazy. Like, yeah. That's crazy, Q. Oh my gosh. So, she remembered my name. Did you did you end up like getting traction from that? Did you get a lot of like yeah. foot traffic? Yeah, I did. I got a lot of foot traffic from that. Um sold out the bags and then that was the last time I did the bags. Go ahead. Um, I think I just have one sample left of that bag. I even sold the samples. Go ahead, so, girl. Let's be shout out for Kelly. But um Perhaps. yeah. Kelly, this one is for you, babe. It's for you. <laughs> but Beyonce, you up next. Ah! <laughs> and Michelle. Yeah. But um Yeah, so I had a lot of foot traffic from that. Um, I feel like at the time I didn't so I've known about marketing, but I wasn't like so in depth with marketing. So I thought like that moment could have been um used a little better if I had like a marketing team with me or someone that knew marketing. Oh yeah. Um but now that I'm in a little bit tangled into marketing and I'm working with a marketer I know a little better now. Mm -hmm. But um so what would you have done like 
differently differently i think okay let me tell you what i did which i think is wild so all i did was share it to my um your own story <laughs> i shared it to my own story and i posted it on my page and that was it for the first few months okay but um eventually i think a year or so later i then had a blog written about it but at first i would have like as soon as it happened i would have had more blogs mm-hmm. i would have had more talking about it i would have invested in, in that change like say you give something to a celebrity or they have it and you give them your contact information but it changes how do they know if it's on a piece of paper mm-hmm. and when they go to type it in on google because sometimes it comes later like mm-hmm. the seed doesn't just pop up right immediately yeah it can come like a few months and you could have rebranded yeah so let's talk about that though like rebranding it is not necessarily a bad thing right no, right? no i love rebranding when it's necessary i think um because my design before i went to paris i'm pretty sure you saw is really different mm-hmm. um yeah i think rebranding for me was just necessary because it's not the same and i don't want to confuse people i want people to know that part of me is gone mm-hmm. um i was designing like wedding dresses a certain type of way like more ready to wear mm-hmm. um really pretty girl outfits mm-hmm. and I wasn't really there was still sculpture in that like you see some of my pieces some of them did have my sculpture aspect but going to Paris I was able to explore to bring sculpture back mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. to and really amplify it and not to be afraid to like have to dim down to make ready to wear because all of my pieces are for everybody we've learned about your fashion we've learned about you being a designer we've learned about you traveling the world and pretty much bettering yourself would you say that experiencing a different culture has changed you in a way yes definitely um i feel like i'm such a different person when you get to see okay so you know we get a lot of this in new york so we get a lot of foreigners that come here and move here um i now understand their struggle Mm. in terms of like employment i knew they had a struggle i'm not saying i was blind to that but now to experience it um amplify because it's you right now i'm the foreigner everybody doesn't speak my language and i want a job this is what really kicks me girl is that (laughs) they learn english (laughs) at a very young age like four Mm -hmm. like at home at four so they learn english and french at the same time going up through schooling Mm -hmm. we learn it like just in high school high school for one hour we don't take it serious (laughs) yeah it's one hour a week (laughs) janelle that's so sad though it's so sad it is and we're behind in that sense um but they all know so when you go outside in paris and someone says i don't speak english Mm -hmm. they're lying to your face finally what i want you to do is tell the people 
just where they can connect with you. Yes, definitely. So you can follow me on Instagram at Corey Burns and you can join our website subscription list at www.coryburns.com. And the last question before we kick this out is where do you see yourself in three years? Yes. So definitely in terms of relationship, like we were just talking about, engaged, married, somewhere in that stage. Amen. And in terms of my business and luxury retailer stores and on a world stage, definitely. Yes. It's been absolutely amazing having you. Thank you for having me. I couldn't I can't imagine have having a different person kicking off this podcast. Thank you for being a woman in power and really honestly pushing me to do this right now. You don't know how much your work is influencing the outside until somebody like me comes in and says it, right? Honestly. So I thank you and I respect you and I'm excited to see where God takes you. So thank you guys for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm excited to bring you my next guest. I have so many amazing women in mind. Until next time, you guys, be a woman in power of your own destiny. Peace. Peace.